0: I'm going to preach on uh, David today, David and Goliath. That's what I'm preaching through at Garden City. We're doing a series on the life of David. We're calling it What It Means to Be Human, because we know more about David's life than anyone else in Scripture, so we get a great portrait of like the highs, lows, the ups, and downs of everything in life. And so, uh, David and Goliath. I'm actually giving you part two because you can start turning your Bibles if you want to to First Samuel chapter 17. That's the famous chapter on David and Goliath. One of the most famous chapters in all of Scripture. There's so much there, so I took the sermon in two parts. So let me just get you up to speed, and then I'm going to give you part two, which is the the best part of First Samuel 17. What you've got are uh, the the armies of Israel and the army of the Philistines are uh, lined up against each other. So if you could picture looking out over a horizon and on one small little hill is the Israelite army and the other small little hill is the Philistine army. And what is happening, and and you know this, um, Goliath is this massive giant. And every single day, Goliath is stepping out on this horizon and he's challenging the Israelites to fight him. And he's doing this every day. He does it every day for 40 days. And, uh, And Goliath is massive. Goliath is nine foot nine, the scriptures tell us. And some of you right away are like, how could there ever be someone that huge? That's not real. That can't happen. Let me show you a picture of Robert Wadlow, this is Robert Wadlow from Illinois. Uh, he died in 1940. Uh, at the time of his death, he was 8 foot 11, 440 pounds, and very strong. Uh, Google this guy. He's kind of fascinating to learn about. There's all kinds of wild and crazy pictures. This is just him with his family. That's his mom and dad and his, his siblings. Just an enormous guy. So if you're like, there can never be people this big, this guy died in 1940. And so surely 3,000 years ago, there could be some pretty enormous people. Goliath is an enormous guy, nine foot nine, huge, massive, strong. He's wearing a coat of mail that is 125 pounds, so he has a frame that can carry all that. And what's going on is as everyone looks out on that horizon, the Israelites are terrified, 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 until all of a sudden a new character in the story shows up. And that's David, who's recently been anointed of the Lord. And he shows up and he sees Goliath. But he sees differently than the rest of the Israelites because he sees that the living God, that's how he always refers to God, and I love that. He calls him the living God. He sees that the living God is right there with him and is bigger than this giant. So what I'd like you to be thinking about as we move through this message today is look out on the horizon of your life. You have a giant out there too. I don't know who your giant is or what your giant looks like, but you have someone or something that you are afraid of. And I want you to try to get that into your mind's eye right now. You look out on that horizon, you can see your giant waving at you, you know, getting into your head, getting into your heart, putting the emotion of fear into you. It's that giant that I want us to go after today as we learn more about the living God and how he's at work in our lives. Because as David shows up into the scene, it's a story-changing moment for the nation of Israel, for God's people, uh, because David sees differently than other people, he hears differently than other people, and he actually runs towards his giant. Uh, When I was going through probably the hardest time, Uh, ever in my life so far. Um, I had this life-changing short conversation with my mom where my mom said to me, Justin, your biggest fear has always been of everything falling apart and everything just did. And I was sitting in just like a life that had really fallen apart. And she goes, but what you are going to see is that God is bigger than your biggest fear. And you're going to watch him transform you through this situation. And that was just life-changing for me that God is bigger than my biggest fear. And I want you to be trying that on more deeply in your life and your story today, that God is bigger than your biggest fear. He's bigger than that giant that's waving at you. Okay, so we're gonna take this in three parts today. We're gonna look first at standing up to face the giant. Number two, fighting your giant with words. Number three, fighting the giant with weapons. So let's look at number one, stepping up to fight the giant. I'm gonna read for us 1 Samuel 17, verses 31 to 40 to start us off. Okay. Verse 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. David has just showed up on the scene, and like he's been talking to people and saying, hey, don't be afraid of this guy. I can fight him. Now word gets back to Saul, who is king. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. And Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Okay, so let's see. Did I? Re- yeah, I read everything I wanted to say. Um, everyone sees... Goliath out there on the horizon. Um, And they hear Goliath, and it's for 40 days. This has been happening for 40 days. Every morning and every evening, Goliath walks out into the front of the camp, and he just says all these words I defy your gods, uh, send someone out to fight me, I'm gonna destroy you. And he's just pumping the people full of fear. It's been 40 days of it. You know that expression you could cut it with a knife. You know, you could cut the tension in the room with a knife or whatever it is. You could cut this fear with a knife. The Israelite army is just so afraid. But David shows up on the scene and he sees and he hears more. He sees the giant and he hears the giant, but he sees and he hears more. He has this conversation with Saul. Interestingly, these are David's first recorded words with Saul. He's been with Saul uh, quite a bit now in the last few chapters, but the first time we have recorded words from David, he says, let no man's heart failed because of him. Make sure you get that word heart today. That's what your giant is after. He wants to crush your heart. You know the heart, what that means biblically. That's the center of your being. That's, that's the center of your personality. That's the core of your desires and, and who you are. And that's what your giant is after. He wants to crush your heart. And if you're living for Jesus in this valley, man, Satan wants to do a lot of things to mess with that heart of yours. And what I think God can recover in our lives as we see him as bigger than our giants, is he can recover our hearts. David says, I will go and I will fight with this Philistine. I like to define leadership as taking initiative for the benefit of others. And this is leadership from David, taking initiative for the benefit of others. He wants to take this giant out and remove this reproach from the nation of Israel. Saul says to him, you are not able. You're just a youth. You're just a young kid. This guy's been a man of war since his youth. There's no way you could do this. So far, Saul has only known David as a guy who can play the lyre, the harp, and calm him down. He doesn't know about this other side of David's personality and David's gifts. Where might you have some voices in your life that are saying this to you? You are not able. You can't do this. Notice that voice doesn't come from the giant. That voice comes from someone who's like on David's side. From, from the Israelites, right? Sometimes those voices aren't just like the obvious enemies or giants in our life. Sometimes those voices come from people who are close to us. Maybe identify where you have some voices like that in your life saying, you are not able. When I was first planting our church, Garden City, I had a friend, it's not a close friend, but a friend uh, who said that to me multiple times, you are not able to do this. You can. I've known this guy since college, like a Bible study leader. He's like, "You're not able to do this. You're not able to plant a church." That so was, it was just really discouraging. I had to learn to turn tune that voice out. David talks back right away. He's like, "You're wrong." He said, "No, I'm I, I'm a shepherd, and uh, when a lion would come, lions existed right in this region, of the Middle East, until the 13th century, or when a bear would come, bears existed in this region until the 20th century. Uh, they'd come to try to take a sheep. I, I'd go out and I'd kill them. I, I I have struck down bears and I have struck down lions." God has been with me. I've done it. David has confidence from earlier in his story. He's looking back from early in his story, and he has confidence for how God has shown up in his life and worked through him in his life, and he knows that that same God is alive now. Twice in our passage, he calls God the living God, the living God. It's not just the God of my past. He's the living God who's with me right now. It reminds me a lot of what David says in Psalm 27, Uh, verse 3. I've been thinking about this psalm. I think we have a slide for that. He says, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Be great for you to paraphrase paraphrase that verse for your own life and the things and the giants that you are facing. Um, Our city needs leaders who possess this Davidic confidence. This kind of Davidic confidence glorifies God. It says, man, my God is big, and I can can trust him. He's bigger than the giants in my life, and it energizes other people, and it can transform situations, and it can change the story. Um, Quicksilver needs leaders full with this kind of confidence where you see your giant waving at you, but it doesn't produce all this fear in your heart. You're able to overcome that with a strong sense of faith in God. So David's saying, I see that giant. He's big. He really is big but God is bigger. This giant's going to be easier than the lion. And so Saul relents, and Saul's like, okay, go, and the Lord be with you. Uh, throughout the book of First and Second Samuel, this is the defining and distinguishing characteristic of David, that the Lord is with him. David constantly gets described as the Lord being with him. That's who he is. It's an awesome description. That's, I mean, that's what I want for you more than anything else. I mean, keep learning about God and have thoughts in your head and this and this and that, but have a profound sense of the Lord being with you, awake and aware of the Lord's presence and knowing that he's with you. that would be an awesome thing to have on your tombstone when you die. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with her. An incredible description. I think it's the most important thing. Saul then goes, okay, I'm going to clothe David in my armor. Because the way Saul looks at the situation, he's like, that's the only way this works. He should be like Goliath. And he proceeds to dress David in the same description of Goliath's army. He starts with a bronze helmet, which Goliath is wearing. Then he puts a coat of mail on David, then a sword. And David tries it on, and it just, it just doesn't work. David's walking around in it, and he's like, man, this is, this is too heavy. I haven't tested these. This doesn't fit. This just This isn't me. This isn't me what are you wearing that isn't you? What might you be wearing that others have tried to put on you? And You're like, man, this is just too heavy. This isn't me. This doesn't fit. I was talking with someone in my church recently who was telling me about growing up just being taught and told all the time just to be nice all the time. This person is waking up and coming to a place where, like, wait, I just let other people put that on me. I'm not supposed to just be nice all the time. There are other emotions for me to explore. There are other gifts and ways in which God has made me where it's okay for me to express I'm not okay with this or I'm angry about this or I'm frustrated with this. What might you need to put off? Because Saul still thinks that the way to defeat this giant is by playing this giant's game and be like the giant, try to be big and try to be all armored up. But as you face the giant in your life, the way to get after it is to play your game be you, be who God has created you to be, and have your confidence be in God and who he's made you to be, not in trying to be like that scary giant. So David says, I cannot go with these, and David takes them off. You know, where, where, where do you need to say that today? I cannot go with these. What do you need to take off today? David then takes four weapons, a staff, stones, a sling, and a shepherd's pouch, and he approaches the Philistine. And the armies that are looking out now, the Philistines and the Israelites, they now see, oh my gosh, now after 40 days, finally someone is stepping up to face the giant. What happens next? Point number two, fighting the giant with words. Okay, we're looking at verses 41 through 47 here, fighting the giant with words. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with a shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air, and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Okay, so everyone is looking at this situation here, and you see Goliath huge nine-foot-nine Goliath advancing toward David, and he's not alone. He also has his shield bearer with him. He gets closer and closer to David. He sees David, and he disdains David. He's like, David just looks like this teenage pop star or something like that. Not Nothing too too impressive. I like the way Eugene Peterson puts this in the message translation of this verse. He says, he took one look down on him and sneered a mere youngster, apple-cheeked and peach-fuzzed. He's just not impressed with this young kid who's coming out to fight him. But the book of Samuel has been warning us again and again and again, don't judge things by outward appearance. Outward appearance can be misleading. There is more that is going on. He says to David, are you a dog that you come to me with sticks? Remember David, one of his weapons, he has a staff in his hand. My theory, I don't know if this is true, but here's my, my theory, that I think this was just a distraction. David brings out the staff because that's what's visible and that's what you could see. And I think it was a distraction from his sling. There's a rich tradition in the nation of Israel of some warriors, some men who are really good with the sling. We have a text from Judges uh, to put up here Judges chapter 20, verse 16. Among all these were 700 chosen men who were left handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. This is from a couple generations earlier, but that tradition is in the nation of Israel, people who are very skilled at this weapon. So I think David's probably distracting him from the sling. David proceeds to curse curse David by his gods. Goliath is cursing David by his gods. And that's really what this is. It's the battle of, of the gods and even earlier in 1 Samuel, there's foreshadowing of what's going to happen to Goliath where the great Philistine god, Dagon, uh, you might remember this story, uh, has an encounter with the ark of God, and the presence of the ark of God is near Dagon. And so Dagon Dagon falls down, face down, like Goliath will, and his head falls off. And so it really is a battle of the gods, and this has been foreshadowed. He's, he's talking to David, Goliath is, he's like, come to me, I'm going to kill you, then I'm going to feed your body to the birds of the air to the beasts of the field. He's saying, I'm going to kill you, and then this would be utter shame to not have a burial uh, as an Israelite and to just be eaten by the animals. Um, but Goliath's words don't phase David. I want you thinking about the words that your giant might be saying to you, but David doesn't let these words phase him because he has a louder voice in his ears. David has the voice of God, the voice of the word of God in his ears, and so it doesn't phase him. And David talks back. It's okay to talk back, talk trash, talk smack to your giants. David says, you come to me with, but I come to you with. You come to me with, but I come to you with. You come to me with sword and spear and javelin and everything that you think strength is found in, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. That means the Lord of angel armies. I come to you with his presence and with his name. So I come to you with more than you can see, Goliath. I come to you with the living God and you have defied him and his name and his glory and I'm not okay with it and he's going to take you out. Verse 46, I love verse 46. The first part of verse 46 is actually one of my life verses, which seems a little weird, but it gets at these two moves that you must have in your theology and in walking with God in Silicon Valley. First move, David says, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. The Lord's going to be the one who does this. God will deliver you to my hand. God's going to do it. Second move, David says, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And that works in tandem. God's going to do this. God's going to deliver you into my hand, and I'm also going to do stuff. I'm going to be part of the whole process. I'm going to be who God uses. I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. Then David one-ups Goliath. Goliath just said that he's going to feed David's body to the beasts of the earth. David says, actually, all of you, a bunch of you are going to die. It's not just going to be you. It's going to be a bunch of your army that's going to die and get fed to the birds and get fed to the beasts. And so he one up him in his trash talking. And then we get to the motive. And so that all the earth would know that this is the real God. I want the whole earth to know that this God, the living God, is the real God. And that all this assembly would know that Yahweh, the personal name of God that Grant was talking about earlier, that Yahweh saves. And it's the same word used throughout the Bible for our total salvation as well, that he saves not with sword or spear, but through his might and through his power. The battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So a good word for this is uh, just conviction. I just want to remind us of the definition of this word conviction. A firmly held belief, a feeling of being certain about something. David is this man who just, we see it here, lives with this conviction about who the Lord is, this Davidic confidence. And you can't do anything significant in your life without conviction like this, without Davidic confidence. You cannot plant a church. You cannot love a difficult person. You cannot make a disciple. You can't handle that challenging project at work. You can't chase after goals unless you really have a conviction, unless you really have a Davidic confidence about who God is and what he's called you to do. With your life, um, be thinking: Where where do you need more of this conviction in your life? Where do you need some more of this conviction as you look out and see that giant waving at you? Where do you need more conviction? Okay. Third and finally, fighting the giant with weapons. Verses forty-eight through fifty-four. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistine fell on the way from Shuram as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistine, and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but put his armor in his tent. Okay, so by all like appearances, if you're watching this battle, you're looking at this and you're like, here's the Philistine war machine, And then here's young David. And if you're placing bets on how this battle is going to go, you're placing your bets on Goliath. That's the guy who's going to win. It's it's obvious. Just just look at it. Um, But but the battle starts. The trash talking, which has been at a distance, now gets closer. Um, Goliath steps forward, the text says. I would imagine his mobility is not great, but I don't know. But big guy and has all this armor. And I picture him moving a bit slower. And then we have five verbs from David. Ran. David ran. He runs towards this giant. David probably has an advantage in mobility. Number two, put. David put his hand into his shepherd pouch. Number three, took. David took one of those five stones that is in his shepherd's pouch. Verb four, David slung. He slings his sling towards the giant. And then verb five, he strikes the giant. He hits Goliath. And we are seeing now that Goliath's size and armor is useless against the living God and against someone who is following the living God and being true to who God has called him to be. And your giant's armor and your giant size is ultimately useless against the living God. Be reminded of that today. And I picture this happening like a slow timber. I don't know, but like, you know, a tree falls in his timber and it's just slow that he's struck in the forehead. It says, then that stone sinks into the forehead. So it goes deep. There's such power and velocity behind this throw. And then he falls on his face to the ground, face down on the ground. And is he dead yet? It's a little unclear if he's dead yet or he doesn't die till the next thing happens. And we have six verbs from David ran, he runs to him again, stood, he stands over massive Goliath, he took, he takes uh, Goliath's sword, he draws it out of its sheath, it's still in its sheath, and then it says he kills Goliath and cuts off his head, which would be a pretty big, you know, head. This isn't a normal-sized person's head, this is a large head. And then the Philistines, they see this whole thing and they flee and they run away. Now they are the fearful ones because there is a new giant in town, the living God and those who follow him. And the Israelites shout and they pursue the Philistines and they plunder the Philistines. And what I want to make sure that you see is that this is a story-changing moment not just for 1 Samuel 17, uh, it's a story-changing moment, yes, for this battle right here with the Israelites and the Philistines, but it's just, it's a very, very deep story-changing moment in the whole story of the Bible, and can be a very deep story-changing moment in your life forever. Um, Giants have been scaring God's people for generations, for a very long time. This goes all the way back to Moses, okay, as they start entering the promised land, you can go back like tonight, read Numbers 13, where spies are sent out into the promised land, 12 spies, and there's just, the land is good, but there are giants in the land. And 10 of the guys are like, we cannot go there because these giants are so big, but two guys, Joshua and Caleb, are like, yes, we can because God's bigger. Let's go. But they don't go because the majority report is we can't do it. And for generation after generation, God's people have been terrified of giants in the land, and there hasn't been any kind of major victory over the giant. Now you've got David, the anointed one. He was anointed in the chapter right before this, chapter 16. Uh, anointed one is what the name Christ means. You've got David, the anointed one, who now has this story-changing victory over the giant. And I, I want to make sure we don't miss, I think the most interesting <laughs> verse in this whole text is verse 54. Let's look at verse 54 again. And David took the Head of the Philistine, that'd be heavy to carry, and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. Okay, what's going on here? Um, Jerusalem's twenty miles away from where this battle takes place. Not like Jerusalem's like half a mile, like around the corner. Jerusalem is twenty miles away, and Jerusalem is not an Israelite city. Jerusalem is inhabited by the Jebusites. Later in 2 Samuel, there's a whole story of how a uh, battle takes place to take it for the nation of Israel. But it's inhabited by different people. The Jebusites, by the, they're a Canaanite people. It's inhabited by them. And what scholars think is going on here is probably... David has a sense of vision, a sense of how God's moving, that, that God wants to do something with him in Jerusalem, because David's going to later make that his capital city. It'll become the capital city for, for God's people. And so probably David takes this head of Goliath, and does some, he's sending a message to the people in living in Jerusalem. Maybe maybe puts the head on like a pole, on a spear, like, look what I did, look what the living God did with this giant. You're next. You're you're, you're not safe there. This is going to be taken for the Lord. He's sending that message to to Jerusalem. Now, where was Jesus crucified? What city? Jerusalem, right? Does Fred preach the Bible here? Yeah, Okay, okay. Jerusalem, you guys know that. Okay, and what's the name of the place just outside the city walls where Jesus was crucified? Golgotha. Golgotha, which means place of the skull, and what scholars think is probably going on here too, is Goliath is Goliath of Gath, and this name Golgotha probably comes from this. Goliath of Gath, the place of the skull, where David probably put that right there outside the city. And so what happens is a thousand years after David feats Goliath here, Jesus came to Golgotha, the place of the skull, and because of his perfect life and his death there on the cross for your sins, which then blasted a hole through death and opens up the door to resurrection. He defeated your greatest giants. And I don't know what your greatest giants are, but that fear of death, that fear of can I be forgiven with all the stuff I've done in my life, that fear of can I I be healed and can I be made whole, Can can this wound be sutured up, that fear of does my life have meaning, does it have purpose, because there's so much crazy stuff going on in this world, and is, does it even make sense? Jesus came, and he conquered that greatest giant, and he shows you that you are loved, and that you were forgiven, and that your life has infinite, eternal value. And so what this does, it's a story-changing moment, and if you don't believe any of this yet, you can today, and you can get in on this, is now you no longer have to be afraid of your giants. You can see... Like David, you can go, okay, that is a big and scary giant. There is legitimate fear there, but God is here and God is bigger. I don't need to be ruled by fear. And, and you can hear, like David, you can hear the scary things your giant is saying, but you can go, that doesn't need to phase me because I hear what my God is telling me, and that is what is most true. And you can run and you can face your giants like David with this Davidic confidence because you know the living God is with you. So David says, I will go and fight this giant. What's this going to mean for you? I don't know if there's anything you necessarily need to go fight, but uh, you're on a mission that all churches are on a mission to do, to go and make, to go and make disciples. David's going to go and fight, you're going to go and make. How can this change how you go and make disciples? Knowing that God is with you, and you don't have to be afraid on that mission. David says, I cannot go with thee. Someone's trying to put him in Saul's armor and, and trying to make him like someone else, what do, you, what do you need to take off today? What do you need to say, this isn't me, this isn't, no, this isn't who God has made me to be, this isn't me, take, take that off. Uh, David takes the sling and the stone, because that's what David is good at, the sling and the stone, that's how God's gifted him. What, what do you need to take? I think for some of you in this room, uh, there's probably some stuff that got lost in the rubble of the last few years of COVID that have just been pretty crazy and pretty disorienting. There's probably some stuff that's like, you, man, this is me, and this is what I'm good at, and this is what I'm gifted at. But that got all disoriented and shaken up and kind of lost. You might have something you need to go and mine that's been lost in the rubble and take it back as yours. Like, oh, this is who God has made me to be, and he wants me to use this gifting and to play big with this gifting for his fame and glory. Our city needs you. Our city needs you. Our city needs leaders. Our city needs people who see that giant waving at them, but see the big God who's calling you to run forward and to fight those giants, to make disciples, and to make an impact. Your presence here and your work here deeply matters. And that fear that can crust over our hearts, I know what I have felt it a lot the last few years, can get dislodged as we freshly encounter our God who is with us. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Quicksilver Church. Thank you very much for Fred and for the elders and for everyone here, and thank you for the story that you are writing with Quicksilver. Um, I pray that as we continue in worship, um, that your spirit would have his way with us. Uh, Speak to every one of us. Show us um, where you're calling us to to turn our eyes up to you and to quit being so afraid of these giants that are, that are getting us. Would we leave this room changed because we have seen you in a bigger and new way? We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.